This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, we welcome the talents of many actors and actresses who, during the golden age of radio, generously donated their fees that they would ordinarily have been paid to stars and studios, and instead donated those fees to the Motion Picture Relief Fund. More about that in just a moment. Leading Hollywood stars performed adaptations of popular motion pictures. Originating on CBS Radio, it aired under several different titles, including the Gulf Screen Guild Show, the Gulf Screen Guild Theater, the Lady Esther Screen Guild Theater, and the Camel Screen Guild Players. The Screen Guild Theater had a long run beginning January 8th of 1939 and lasting for 14 seasons. Actors on the series included some well-known names, Ethel Barrymore, Lionel Barrymore, Gary Cooper, Humphrey Bogart, Bette Davis, Nelson Eddy, Douglas Fairbanks Jr., just to mention a few. Now, the series began with a variety format with mixed success. The program increasingly came to rely on adaptations of major motion pictures, presenting a considerable challenge to writers who had to compress the narrative into 22 minutes. Fees those actors would typically charge were donated, as mentioned, to the Motion Picture Relief Fund in order to support the creation and maintenance of the motion picture country home for retired actors. The first three seasons of the CBS series were sponsored by Gulf Oil. With uncertainties in the oil field and oil market due to World War II, Gulf dropped the show. And in 42, the Lady Esther Cosmetics Corporation assumed sponsorship. The Lady Esther Screen Guild Theater was consistently one of the top 10 radio programs. But reverses in the cosmetics industry led Lady Esther to withdraw in 1947. And... Camel Cigarettes purchased a three-year contract. Changing time slots and networks brought about a decline in ratings. Well, tonight we're rather fortunate because Screen Guild Theater will present Harry Cronin's radio adaptation of the Phil Berry play, The Philadelphia Story. He was aired on March 17th of 1947. The show features the three actors who had starred in the film, Jimmy Stewart as Mike Connor, Catherine Hepburn as Tracy Lord, and Cary Grant as C.K. Dexter Haven. Also appearing were Lorene Tuttle as Liz Embry, Joan Banks as Margaret Lord, and Barney Phillips as Sidney Kidd. Here now is the Philadelphia Story. Good evening. Tonight, Lady Esther takes exceptional pride in presenting the Screen Guild players and Philip Berry's delightful modern classic, The Philadelphia Story. 
It stars the three brilliant players who made the story so memorable on the screen. Cary Grant, Catherine Hepburn, and Jimmy Stewart. The Lady Esther Screen Guild players in the Philadelphia story. Tracy Lord's first marriage to C.K. Dexter Haven was dissolved by a vigorous right to the jaw. And now Tracy is about to be married again. The season's most important event to mainline society in Philadelphia and streamline journalism in New York. Which brings us to the office of Mr. Kidd, owner and editor of Spy Magazine. Miss Imbry, you'll take your camera, of course. Uh, Connor, you'll take your own special talents. Where? Yeah, what's the deal? Your assignment will be Spy's most sensational achievement, Tracy Lord. Tracy Big game hunting in Africa, fox hunting in Pennsylvania, married on impulse and divorced in rage. And always unapproachable by the press. The unapproachable Miss Lord. Now, look here, if you The Philadelphia story. Closed with the portals of snobbish fox hunting, uh... No, 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 wait. No Hunter of Foxes is Spy Magazine. Nevertheless, presented for the first time, quote, a wedding day inside mainline society. Or what the kitchen maid saw through the keyhole, unquote. You're the writer, Connor. I'm only the publisher. All right, publisher, take this. Quote, no hunter of buckshot on the rear is cagey, crafty Connor, unquote. Close paragraph. Close job, close bank account. Look, Mr. Kidd, how could we even get inside the estate, let alone into the house? Oh, it's been arranged. Miss Wallace? Yes, sir? Send him in, please. Now, Liz, now wait a minute. We won't do it. It's degrading, demeaning, undignified. So is an empty stomach. Now, just relax. We'll have to... Hello. Who are you? Connor, this gentleman has been employed in our Buenos Aires office. I believe he can help us. How? Tracy Lord's brother, Junius, is in the American embassy down there, and an old friend of this gentleman... He'll introduce you to the family as an intimate friend of Junius. Dear old Junius, hmm? Oh, does Tracy Lord know this guy? Oh, yes. Yes, you might say Tracy and I grew up together. You might also say you're C.K. Dexter Haven, and you were Tracy Lord's first husband. Yes, you might. Holy mucka, what goes on here? Oh, I remember that honeymoon very well, Mr. Dexter Haven. You and she in a little sailboat. The true love, wasn't it? That's right. How did you know? I was the one photographer whose camera you didn't smash. You were terribly nice about it. You threw it in the ocean. Oh, one of those, huh? Yes, that's right. I rather thought our honeymoon was our own business. Incidentally, he paid for all the cameras, Mike. I got a sweet letter of apology, too. Oh, always a gentleman, huh? I wouldn't count on that. Now then, uh, what are the plans? The wedding is Saturday. This is Thursday. They should spend tomorrow night as guests of the Lord. Wait a minute, wait a minute. There's something screwy here. Now, if he's resigned, why is he doing this? Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh, oh, oh, I get it, mister. Oh, you want to get even with your ex-bride, huh? As one gentleman to another, that may be exactly what I want. I'll have a car pick you up in North Philadelphia tomorrow noon. Good day. Now... Well, how do you you like that? He just walks out on us, just as though we were... A handkerchief, Mike. There's a little spit in your eye. It shows. Oh, dear, so many things to do in so little time. Tracy, when you finish listing those wedding presents... Mother, how do you spell omelette? Two L's, two M's, one or the other. Mm -hmm. Omelette? That's a funny wedding present. Dinah, dear, it's an omelet dish. This one... It stinks. Oh, darling, don't say stinks. If necessary, smells, but only if absolutely necessary. Mother, if I ever finish writing down... Oh, this lamp, isn't it awful? Yeah, let me see that card. Oh, yes, friends of your father's. 
Wouldn't you know? What are they, tap dancers or just musical comedy producers? Tracy, that's hardly fair to your father's interest in the arts. The arts? The art of putting up a fortune to display the shapely legs of some... Tracy, please. Well, I'm certainly glad George isn't like that. Mother, isn't George an angel? George is an angel. Is he handsome or is he not? George is handsome. I like Dexter. Really? Why don't you stop the wedding? How? Get smallpox. Oh, please. Don't give her any ideas, Tracy. Now, Dinah. Gee, Tracy's always so mean about Dexter. Well, darling, he was rather mean to her. Did he really sock her? Dinah. Really, Mother, if I don't choke her before Saturday... That'd stop the wedding, wouldn't it? It would not. You're supposed to be riding, young lady. Yes, Dinah. They must be waiting at the stable. All right, all right. Mother. Yes, dear. How do you get smallpox? Oh. Dinah, please go. Oh, I'm going, I'm going. Now then, Tracy, let's get those lists finished. And... Mother. Mother. That whistle. Dexter, Dexter, you're back! Dinah, my dream girl, my own true love. Oh, no, it can't be. He wouldn't dare. Mother, look, he's here. Mother, it's Dexter. Well, hello. Dexter Haven, you go right back where you came from. I can't. Dinah says it's too awful here without me. Redhead, if you don't look in the pink. Much too nice for George. If you think you can walk in here and... Uh, Dexter, tell me, how is Junius? Oh, Junius is fine. Heartbroken, of course, not to be here for the wedding. I suggested representing him as best man, but... Dexter, I appreciate your offer, but I'm afraid George would prefer to have his best man sober. Ah, yes, yes. Well, I'm sure you'll like the people Junius did send. People? The... The junior sent, did you say? Yes, Miss Imbry and Mr. Connor. They're waiting now in the South Parlor. You really ought to tell them what rooms they're to have. Rooms? Dexter, have you switched from liquor to dope by any chance? Well, it was Junius's idea, you see. They've been terribly nice to him, and when they said they were coming to Philadelphia... And... Dexter Haven, you're lying. I can always tell. Hmm, can you, Red? Yes, you have a habit of just a minute now. You went to work after the divorce, didn't you? Well, not right after. First, I tested several hundred bottles of bourbon. But after that, after that, you took a job in South South America. What for? A Who magazine. Ah, uh, and it wasn't by any chance spy magazine. Oh, you're just a mass of intuition. And I don't suppose Junius's friends are photographers by any chance. Well, not exactly by I chance. I thought you were low, Dex, but I never thought, oh, you... Ah, no, you're slipping red. I used to be afraid of that look, the withering glance of the goddess. I didn't think that alcohol would destroy your last shred of decency so soon. I ought to... Tracy, please, Dinah. Oh, Mother, not yet. Come along, dear. You're late for your ride. But, Mother, maybe he's going to sock her again. Dexter, I'll have no argument about this. I want those people out of here, and you too. Yes, Your Majesty, but first, could I interest you in some small blackmail? No, you... What? Here you are, galley proofs. An article complete with snapshots, details, and insinuations ready for publication in Spy about your father and that dancer in New York. Father and Tina Mara? But they can't, they can't publish this. It's got to be stopped. Well, it is stopped temporarily, if you'll allow Miss Imbry and Mr. Connor to turn in the story on your wedding. And when Mr. Kidd says story, he means story. I'm going to be sick. Yes, dear. An intimate day with a society bride. I am sick. Too bad. Well, in the South Parlor, Your Majesty. Shall I conduct you in? Don't bother, please. I'm sure I know the way. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm Tracy Lord, though I suppose you know that, but any friend of Junius's is a friend of... So nice having you with us. We're happy to be here. Uh, it's a pleasure. Too bad Junius couldn't be here. At least one male member of the family, too. Hey, uh, where's your father? Darling, Papa, I do hope you'll stay for my wedding. Yes, we'd like to. Yeah, that was more or less the idea. The house is rather a mess, of course, but we'll try to make you as comfortable as... Oh, what a cunning little camera. Wait, uh... 
I take pictures with it. <laughs> well, I hope you'll take loads. Dear Papa and Mama aren't allowing any reporters in, that is, except for little Mr. Grace, who does the social news. Mr. Connor, can you imagine a grown-up man sinking so low? No, it does seem pretty bad. <laughs> You're a sort of a, a writer, aren't you, Mr. Connor? Oh, sort of. A book? Mm-hmm, yeah. Under what name do you publish? My own, Macaulay Connor. Just try and call me that. <laughs> I won't. What's the Macaulay for? Well, my father taught English history. I'm Mike to my friend. Of whom you have many, I'm sure. <laughs> English history. It's always fascinated me. Cromwell, Robin Hood, Jack the Ripper. Where did he teach? I mean, your father. Well, he, in a high school in South Bend, Indiana. South Bend. It sounds like dancing, doesn't it? <laughs> And this is, this is your first visit to Philadelphia, a quaint old place, don't you think? Odd customs and such, where the scrapples eat biddle on Sunday. <laughs> but then you're still quite young. Well, I don't know about that. I'm 30. Really? One book isn't much for a man of 30. <laughs> I don't mean to criticize. You probably have other interests outside your work. No, none. Unless, unless... Uh, oh, uh, oh, how sweet. <laughs> Are you two going together? Well, sort of. Engaged, well, yeah. I presume. Uh, no, no, but... Uh, but, but very much in love. Oh, isn't that a little personal? Is it? Well, it's so very interesting, Miss Imbrick. Miss Imbrick, if a man says he loves a girl, don't you think he ought to marry her? Hey, now, just a look. Please, Mr. Yeah, Connor. Uh, I asked Miss Imbrick a question. Well, <laughs> it, it depends. I'm disappointed, Miss Imbrick. I've been very frank with you. However, I'll send a butler to show you your rooms. You'll join us, I hope, at the swimming pool. Ah. Wow. That's what I say. Well, Who's I just, interviewing whom? Yeah, yeah, just study, old girl. Now, don't let her throw you. You want to take over? Mm, I want to go home. But uh, since I'm on the job, I'll settle for the swimming pool. And then she came out and he wandered in. And then, then, then. Hello. Find out. Uh, oh, Mr. Connor. Ah, you said to come down here. I didn't mean to interrupt your reading. It's nothing important, I hope. I... You bet. It's very important. It's your book. Oh? Oh. Well, I didn't know you had it. Well, I didn't. I sent to the library for it. Oh? Well, you like it? I like it very much. Especially the story called With the Rich and Mighty. I think I like that one best. Really? Well, I, uh, I got the title from a Spanish peasant's proverb, with the rich and mighty, always a little patience. I like that. Tell me something, will you, Connor? When you can write a book like this, how can you possibly do anything else? Well, you'll never believe it, but there are people in this world that have to earn a living. Yeah, yeah of course, but people buy books, don't they? Not if there's a library around. That book re represents two solid years' work, not netted Connor less than... Oh, heck, that's Dexter. Look, stand by, will you, Connor? I don't want to be alone with him. Well, well, there you are. Funny, just where I thought you'd be. Fancy seeing you here. Orange juice? Certainly. Don't tell me you've forsaken your beloved whiskey and whiskies. No, but I think a pale pastel shade would be a better color for me today. And how about you, Mr. Connor? You drink, don't you? Alcohol, I mean. Mm, a little. A little? And you a writer? Dexter... Will you do something for me? Anything, Red. What? Crawl into some small hole until after the wedding. Oh, I couldn't do that. At least not until I've... Uh... Connor, don't miss a word. Don't miss a word. We're going to talk about me. Why not? You find the subject fascinating. You're far and away your favorite person in the world. Of course, Mr. Connor, she's generous to a fault. To a fault, Mr. Connor. Except to other people's faults. 
for instance, to what used to be my deep and gorgeous thirst. It was disgusting. Uh, weakness, sure, and strength is your religion. Well, when I realized I was not expected to be a loving husband and a good companion, but a kind of a high priest to a virgin goddess. Dexter, you... Well, then my drinks grew more frequent and deeper, that's all. Connor, don't you let him make you think why he's gone. <laughs> I like him. Dexter, what are you trying to make me out as? Red, what do you fancy yourself as? What are you trying to do with this marriage to George? How can you even think of it? George Kittredge is everything you're not. He's been poor and he's had to work and he's had to fight for everything and I love him as I never even began to love you. Really? Oh, you really are in love. Yes, I am, and you needn't sound so contemptuous. I'm not red, never of you. You could be the finest woman in the world if you just learned to have some regard for human frailty. If only you'd slip a little sometime. But I guess that's hopeless. Your sense of inner divinity won't allow that. This goddess must and shall remain intact. <laughs> this woman must represent her class, a special class, the married maidens. So help me, Dexter, if you say another word... I... Tracy! Darling, you there by the pool? George... That's a new high priest. I'll run along. <laughs> Here, Red, I brought you a little wedding present. Sorry I had no ribbon to tie it up with. So long, Red. A present? I wonder what... Oh... Oh, there you are, my dear. I thought I'd run over and... Tracy, aren't you going to say hello? Yeah, yeah. Hello, George. What's that you've got? Oh, a wedding present from Dex. A photograph? A picture of the true love. The, the what? We sailed her up the coast of Maine and back the summer we were married. My, she was yar. Yar? What's that? It means, oh, easy to handle, quick to the helm, fast, bright. Everything a boat should be. Until it develops dry rot. Oh, George. Well, there now, he'll not upset you anymore. He never appreciated you anyway. How could he? Anyone as wonderful as you. George. It's what I've always thought from the first time I saw you. You're like some marvelous, distant old queen, I guess. There's kind of beautiful purity about you. George. It's what everyone feels. They worship you, darling. George, listen. I don't want to be worshipped. I want to be loved. Oh, you're that, too. I mean, really loved. Of course. And now I'll have to hurry, darling. Big party tonight, you know. I'll pick you up around now. Well, I... I... Connor. Hey, Connor. Are you around here somewhere? Yeah, here in the dressing room. Are you calling me? Yes, I was. Connor, do you ever take a drink? A drink? Oh, yes, yes, sometimes. Well, that's good. Let's go in and open a bottle of champagne. The second act of the Lady Esther Screen Guild show starring Catherine Hepburn, Cary Grant, and Jimmy Stewart will follow in a moment. Lady Esther presents the second act of the Philadelphia story starring Jimmy Stewart, Catherine Hepburn, and Cary Grant. Well, that bottle of champagne was just the first. Later, at the party on a neighboring estate, Tracy and Mike sampled quite a few more. Until George departed in a huff and left Mike to escort Tracy home. 
That's where we find them now, just arriving with a bottle they've brought along for the road. Well, well, here we are, Professor. You know, it's funny I never noticed this lake before. <laughs> Silly, that's a swimming pool. Oh, oh. <laughs> you know, you know, champagne's tricky. I'm used to bourbon. Bourbon's a slap on the back. Champagne, champagne's a, a heavy mist before my eyes. A quick swim will fix that. Dexter and I always swam after parties. Well, let's forget about Dexter. Have a drink now. Why not? Mike, Mike, do you hear a telephone ringing? I did a little while ago. No, I can't hear it. Well, now. Yes, I do. No. Well, it's very far away. Mm-hmm. That's my bedroom telephone, and it's probably George. I better go in. And... No, no, it stopped. Fine. Drink your champagne. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. <laughs> Hello, you. <laughs> Hello. You look fine. I feel fine. <laughs> Did you like the party? Sure. The prettiest sight in this fine, pretty world. The privileged class enjoying its privilege, privilege, privileges. <laughs> you. You're a snob, Connor. No doubt. No doubt. Hey, Tracy. Hey, you you can't marry that guy. George, I'm going to. Why not? Well, you don't match up. Professor, you're stepping out of character. My mistake. Oh, don't apologize. Who's apologizing? Really, I never knew such a man. I guess I never knew a girl like you, Tracy. Yeah? Tracy, you're wonderful. There's a magnificence in you. Mike. A magnificence that comes out of your eyes and in your voice and on the way you stand, on the way you walk. There's fires banked down on you, Tracy. Hearth fires and holocausts. I... You, you don't think I'm like a goddess? You're flesh and blood. That's the blank, unholy surprise. But you're... You're the golden girl, Tracy. You're full of life and warmth and delight. Hey. Hey, what goes on? Have you got... Got tears in your eyes. Shut up, shut up. Oh, Mike, Mike, keep talking, keep talking, talk, will you? What good is talk, Tracy? Tracy. Golly. Golly, Moses. Nobody's ever kissed me like that. Tracy, I want to tell you something. Please, all of a sudden I've got the shakes. Please, Tracy. It's as though my insteps were melting away. Oh, gee, what is it? Have I got feet of clay or something? Tracy, you're so lovely. Wait, I know. The pool, there's a moon and it's warm and we could... Now? Now. Mike, Mike, put me in your pocket and let's go swimming. Don't you see, Dexter? I had to tell someone. Oh, I could hardly wait till you got here this morning. Yes, but darling, my love, are you sure it wasn't just a dream? Well, I can't be positive, but... Good morning. Well, what ho, the bride. She in her wedding dress. Such a lovely day. (laughs) Is everybody fine? That's fine. Hmm. How fine are you? I I don't know what's the matter with me. I can hardly open my eyes. I must have had too much sun yesterday. Man, it's awfully easy to get too much. Tracy, you're not really going to, are you? Going to what? Mary George, after last night. Last night? What are you talking about? Tracy, don't you even remember? Remember what? I've been telling Dinah it was just a dream. A dream? Well, what kind of a dream? Well, last night, it was awful late, I guess. 
I woke up and looked out of my window, and guess what I saw? What? Mr. Connor. Mike? Uh-huh. He was sort of coming from the pool with both arms full of something. And what do you think it turned out to be? What? You and some clothes. And you were sort of crooning. I never crooned in my life. <laughs> then what? Well, then he carried you into the house, and I could hear him take you into your room. Mike and me? Well, I'm going crazy. I'm standing here on my own two hands and going crazy. <laughs> what else? Well, after that, he... Uh, uh, good morning, everybody. Oh, well, morning, Connor. How do you feel? Hmm? Well, Mike, I... what's happened to your chin? My chin? Oh, well, you see... Tracy, I... I didn't get to tell you. When Mr. Connor came out again, George was waiting for him. No. Yes. And Mr. Connor sort of got hit on the chin. George? No, me. You, Dex, you were there, too? Good grief, why didn't you sell tickets? <laughs> uh, I'll say Dexter was there. What a clip he gave me. Oh, well, I'm sorry, Mike. I thought I'd better hit you before George did. He's in better shape than I am. Dex, Mike, will somebody please tell me what happened before I go start raving mad? On the level you don't know? Of course I don't know. I don't remember anything. Ah, lucky Tracy. She's drawn a blank. Shut up, Dex. Mike, you tell me. Well, Tracy, you, Tracy, are you ready, darling? The guests are all here and the bishop's waiting. And, oh, dear, where is George? <gasps> George? Good heavens, Tracy, I forgot he was here at ten and left this note. For me? Well, I wonder what he could have... Well, go on, read it out loud, Red. We're all friends. Yes, I will. Listen to this. Quote, Your conduct last night was so shocking to my ideals of womanhood that my attitude toward you and the prospects of a happy and useful life together... Tracy? Hello, George. Tracy, I didn't dream you. All these people... Why, it's only a letter from a friend. They're my friends, too. I, uh... I thought I ought to come and uh, and explain. I mean, I... It's clear uh, enough, George. You're chucking me over in good riddance. Well, after all, I have a point, you know, on the very eve of your marriage. Well, just a minute, George. Mike, why don't you tell him what happened last night? Well, exactly two kisses and one late swim, after which I deposited Tracy in her room and I left. You mean... You mean to say that's all there was to it? I do. Why? Was I so terribly unattractive, Mike? So distant, so forbidding that you... No, no, you were extremely attractive and far from distant or forbidding. But you were also, uh... You well, were pretty pixelated, Red. Yeah. And then there are rules about that. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. I think men are wonderful. Oh, well... Uh... Tracy, uh, uh, perhaps I was a little hasty, but, well, a man does expect his wife to... To behave herself naturally. To behave herself naturally. <laughs> Will you please... Well, I'm sorry. Tracy, if, if you're willing to let bygones be bygones, uh, what do you say? Goodbye, George. I beg your pardon? I said goodbye. But, but we you see, to... you're much too good for me, George. A hundred times too good. And I make you most unhappy, most. Very well. That's how you want it. Possibly it's just as well. Good day. Well, congratulations, Red. Always that proper without a groom. Hey, we can make it proper, Tracy. Yeah, Mike? I got you into this. I'll get you out of it. Will you marry me, Tracy? No, Mike. Thank you, but... Mm -mm, no. Why not? Because I, I don't think that nice girl with a camera would like it, and I'm not sure that you would, and I'm even a little doubtful about myself. Well, there goes your wedding music, Tracy. And besides, I, I made a mistake yesterday. I opened a wedding present too soon. Present without any ribbons on it. Red. 
just a picture of a boat. Boat I don't think I've ever forgotten. Red, I've got an old wedding license. The one we didn't use when we eloped. What do you say? Text. Text, are you sure? Not in the least, but I'll risk it, will you? And 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 you you wouldn't be doing it just to save my face? Why shouldn't I save it? It's a nice little face. <gasps> oh, Dex, I'll be yah this time. I promise, darling, I'll be yah. Be whatever you like. You're my redhead. Are you all set? All set. Oh, never have I been so full of love. Mike, how do I look? Like a queen, like a goddess. That's funny, Mike, because you know how I feel. For the first time in my life, like a human being. <laughs> Thank you, Jimmy Stewart, Cary Grant, and Catherine Hepburn for a most delightful half hour. Well, as a matter of fact, Mr. Bradley, there isn't an actor or actress in Hollywood who isn't eager to come here and take part in the great work this program does for the Motion Picture Relief Fund and its country house. Am I right, boys? You are right, Kate. Fine. Say that again. Next week, the Lady Esther Screen Guild players will present The Moon is Our Home. It will star Fred McMurray and Virginia Bruce. Be sure to listen. The Philadelphia Story was produced and directed for Lady Esther by Bill Lawrence, adapted by Harry Cronman, and was presented through arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of It Happened in Brooklyn, starring Frank Sinatra, Catherine Grayson, Peter Lawford, and Jimmy Durante. Music on tonight's program was arranged and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. Catherine Hepburn can currently be seen in the Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer picture, The Sea of Grass. Cary Grant can soon be seen in Dory Sherry's RKO production, The Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer. James Stewart can now be seen in Liberty Films' production of Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life. This is Truman Bradley speaking for Lady Esther. Thank you, and good night. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for The Great Gildersleeve, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for The Great Gildersleeve. Kraft presents The Great Gildersleeve. <laughs> the Kraft Cheese Company, who also bring you Bing Crosby every Thursday night, present each week at this time, Harold Perry as The Great Gildersleeve, written by Leonard L. Levin. For the past few days, our friend Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve has been the victim of a baffling attack of the sneezes, and so far he hasn't found out the cause. Could it be some allergy, or is his mustache starting to back up on him? Come on, let's visit the great Gildersleeve and find out. And as I was saying, Marjorie, every time I... 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 Hey! Eh, don't mention it. Every time you what, Uncle Moore? Every time I, 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 a button pops off my vest. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, you bet. I'm on my fourth vest now. Yeah, and that last sneeze broke, broke your shoelaces. Yeah? Oh, well, I've got to find some way of stopping this sneezing before I blow my blains out. Hey, 
Hey. Oh, I didn't do it that time. Because <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, well, no. you don't have to mention that. <laughs> no, Uncle Mort, I really think you should see a doctor. Now, this may be something serious. Sure, whatever it is, it's nothing to be sneezed at. Then why am I sneezing? Oh, there must be something you're allergic to. Yeah, I know it. I'm allergic to sneezing. No, Uncle. Something else is wrong. Now, why don't you go right downtown and see Dr. DePeister? Yeah, who in the name of the Mayo Brothers is Dr. DePeister? Well, I understand he's wonderful. Allergies are his specialty. Oh, you mean he's an anti-sneeze man? <laughs> yes. Florence Foreman told me he cured her. Found she was allergic to gasoline, so she sold her car. It, wasn't that a little drastic? Uh, oh, no. After she got Dr. DePeister's bill, she had to anyway. <laughs> well, I hate to blow in a lot of money on my nose, Marjorie. <laughs> I was just making up your room. And you know that little kitty of yours? Ah, you mean my itty-bitty pity kitty? Itty-bitty all for corn's sake. Yep. <laughs> What's he been up to now, Bertie? If that sweater you're making for that ensign in the Navy on account of he gave you that pussycat. Don't tell me you found that. Yes, sir. The kitten got into mitten. <laughs> oh, that's a shame, Marjorie. Well, what did he try to do? Pull the wool over his eyes? Yep. <laughs> yeah, and on him it don't look good. <laughs> oh, dear. Did he do much damage, Bertie? Just look here. I brought the sweater in. What sweater? That thing is more snarls in a cage full of tigers. Why, it's he, uh, oh. It's what, Uncle? It's a. Uh, you! <laughs> Gee, Aunt, that one made the windows rattle. The windows, eh? Good. I thought it was my teeth. <laughs> really, Uncle Mort, you must go downtown and see Dr. DePice. Oh, nonsense, Marjorie. Why should I let a trivial... You, you, help you. Well, maybe someday... Help you. Come on, what are we waiting for? Where is that doctor? <laughs> But Marjorie, I haven't sneezed once since we left home. Just my luck. When the doctor asks me how I do it, I won't be able to show him. Oh, now sit down, Uncle. Relax and look at a magazine. Magazine? Oh, all right. There's an article in the National Geographic for May 1916. I never did finish. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle, you won't find that here. Why not? This is a doctor's office, isn't it? Yes, but this is a young doctor. Makes no difference, my dear. When a boy decides on a medical career, what's the first thing he does? I don't know. What? He starts saving magazines. <laughs> That's one of the reasons he has to be an intern so long. <laughs> Just to age his National Geographic. <laughs> oh, Uncle. Well, why do they always have a National Geographic? Well, it's all about faraway places. Anybody who sits in a doctor's office would rather be someplace far away. <laughs> Are you Mr. Gildersleeve? Uh, yes. Well, the doctor will see you now. This way, please. Uh, what's he so cheerful about? <laughs> the way she chirped, she'd make Florence Nightingale sound like a mudlark. Now, you go right ahead, Uncle Moore. Well, all right, my dear, but I'm feeling dandy now. Oh, this is Mr. Gildersleeve, doctor. How do you do, uh, Gildersleeve? Gildersleeve. Any relation to Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve? Oh, yes, that's me. Oh, it is. Well, now, where'd I hear that name before? I phoned you an hour ago. That's where I heard it. <laughs> I never forget a face. Uh, what seems to be your trouble? Uh, sneezing. Oh, you're having trouble sneezing? Oh, no, I'm not having trouble sneezing. I'm having trouble sneezing. For the past four or five days, that's all I've been doing. Yeah, monotonous, isn't it? <laughs> 
Uh, yes, I'm starting to get a permanent wave in my nose. <laughs> Every morning I get up and sneeze all the cornflakes out of my bowl. Uh, I know what will cure that. What was that? I say I know what will cure that. What? Oatmeal. Yes. <laughs> Well, you'd better remove your clothes, please. And while you're doing that, I'll ask you a few questions. Yeah. Uh, does anything you eat make your eyes water? Yeah, raw onion. <laughs> Any food cause violent sneezing? Well, black pepper does. Any favorite dish that causes spots to appear on you? Oh, yes, yes. I get spots from soft-boiled eggs. From eggs? Where? On my necktie. <laughs> but really, Doctor, I, I wish you could see me sneeze. My eyes pop out so far, it looks like I'm going to expel the pupils. <laughs> That's interesting uh, Suppose you show me how you do it I can't, I haven't sneezed once since I left home Most interesting Eliminates one type of allergy that's very difficult to cure uh, What's that? Uh, the auto-infectious variety When a person's allergic to himself it's, Oh, well <laughs> I couldn't have that I like me <laughs> <laughs> Yes Your trouble seems to be localized somewhere at home. Uh, That makes the problem much simpler. Oh, of course. All I have to do is move. Well, goodbye, Doc. One second, please. We'll never find the trouble by moving away from it. I don't want to find it. I just want to lose it. Uh, (laughs) Then we must conduct a series of tests. And I believe the best place to do that is in your home. Oh. Shouldn't take us long to locate the trouble. Not more than a year. It's just a year? (laughs) Yes, if we're lucky. And now, let me listen to your heart. Uh, Quietly. Yeah, okay. Hmm, you must have a heart of oak. I'd better listen again. Most interesting. Excuse me, doctor, but somebody's at the door. <laughs> oh, oh, I see. Uh, what is it? The time to take your pills, doctor. No, I won't. I hate pills. Go away. <laughs> By the way, doctor, how much is this going to cost? Oh, not much. Just $50 for each series of tests. It, why, that could run up into five... Oh, my goodness, it could, couldn't it? Well, that's true. But if we don't do that, you'll probably sneeze yourself into an early grave. Oh, doctor, how soon are you coming over? Uh, how about Sunday afternoon? Yeah, I'll be waiting for you. Well, I'd better get going now. Oh, no, no, Mr. Gildersleeve, don't go out that way. Why not? That's the way I came in. Oh, no, you didn't. When you came in, you had your clothes on. What? Oh! <laughs> Gee, we haven't any nails left. What are you going to do when we run out? Oh, we can pull some more at Uncle Mort's tires. Hi, Unc. Oh, hello, Leroy. Yeah, hello, Piggy. What did the doctor say, Unc? He said $5, please. Jeepers, Leroy, what's wrong? Unc suffers from the allergic. Yeah. Allergic? What's that? Oh, something rubs his nose the wrong way. <laughs> say, Unc, look what we're building. It, uh, yeah, I see. What's it supposed to be? It's a treehouse. For our club, the young MacArthur. You're putting it in the wrong place, Leroy. You'll never get a MacArthur out on a limb. (laughs) (laughs) Where are you going to put it? Well, as soon as we get it nailed together, we're going to haul it up on that oak where the branches spread. Uh, You know, prefabrication. Oh, well, that's an idea, isn't it? Did you ever have a treehouse, Mr. Gillespie? Well, I started to one time. I had a wonderful idea. A log house in a tree. But it didn't work out. Why not, Uncle? Well, we only had one tree in our backyard, and... By the time I'd sawed enough logs for the house, there wasn't any tree left to put it in. <laughs> Did you build the house anyway? And no, my father found out what happened, and the logs and Pop and I all wound up in the woodshed. <laughs> oh, was that the time you wanted to run away and be a sailor, and he knocked the tar out of you? If... 
No, Leroy, that was another whaling expedition. <laughs> Gee, Mr. Gillespie, will you help us build our clubhouse? Oh, of course. I'll pitch right in. Hand me the hammer, Leroy. Thank you. I just love to drive nails. <laughs> now watch me and learn, Leroy. Excuse me. Understand now, Leroy? No, I, I don't quite... Oh, but it's so simple. What's troubling you? Well, I'm wondering how you're going to get your necktie off now that you've nailed both ends to the plank. If, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, I see. Just fine up there, Leroy. Now nail down that little birdhouse. Birdhouse? Oh, you mean our mailbox. It, Leroy, who's going to deliver mail up in a tree 20 feet off the ground? Okay, it's a birdhouse. Yes. Oh, Leroy! Yes, buddy? I'd like you to come down out of that tree. It's time for lunch. And that reminds me, Mr. Gilfrey, Judge Cooper just dropped in. Oh, he did, did he? That old goat always shows up at feeding time. <laughs> Tell him to come out here. I want him to see the house we built. Uh, yes, sir. And don't you dinner, Daddy Leroy. I won't worry. Gee, I'm sitting the clubhouse well. I just finished fixing my secret trapdoor on the roof. A secret trapdoor? Well, I wish I could see it. Must be very cozy inside. I'll say. Yeah, now you go in to lunch. And scrub your hands before you sit down at the table. Okay, but gee whiz, I bet Tarzan never has to wash before he eats. Yeah, of course not. Tarzan's in hot water all the time. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow. Hello, uh, Leroy. How are you feeling, Gildersleeve? Still sneezing your brains out, or have you run out of brains? <laughs> no, Hooker, I haven't run out of brains. Would you like to borrow some? No, no. Wouldn't think of taking your last one. <laughs> What's the big attraction out here? The attraction is that treehouse the kids built. Like to go up there and look at it? No, thanks. I can see it well enough from here. Uh, they have a secret trap door and a lot of other modern improvements. Come on, come on, let's go. Now, let's quit kidding ourselves, Throckmorton. We're too old to go traipsing up the side of a tree to peek at a packing box. Yeah, speak for yourself, you old foggy. <laughs> foggy! Okay, then you're an old foggy. <laughs> Why, well, you even get out of breath playing checkers. Thank goodness I'm different. Don't kid me, Throckmorton. If you aren't too old, you're too fat. Now forget about it. You're dizzy enough on the ground without climbing trees. Uh, in that case, I guess I'll have to show you, Judge Hooker. Here, hold my coat, Grandpa, and watch a man strut his stuff. Careful, Gildy. You'll get halfway up and then spread your stuff. <laughs> Don't worry about me, Judge. I come from a long line of tree climbers. And maybe so, but remember, you haven't any tail. <laughs> <laughs> if I stand on this box, I think I can reach that limb. Yeah, just watch me, Judge. Come on down from there, Gildersleeve, before you fall on that big fat neck. Just a little rusty, that's all. I never knew I weighed so much. You're building up to a terrible letdown, Humpty Dumpty. Oh, by George, I'm going to make it. And nobody's more surprised than I am. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, you made it, but you never get down again. Hey, you ought to be up here, Judge. There's a beautiful view from here. There is? Uh-huh. On a clear day, I can see into every second-story window in the block. <laughs> what are you walking around on the roof for? The door isn't up there. I think it is. Leroy said something about a secret trap door somewhere. Gildersleeve, what happened? I found the trap door. <laughs> you better stop fooling around and come down. That's pretty dangerous. If you may be right. I better. Uh-oh. What's wrong now? But I got in here. I should be able to get out. Gildersleeve, what's the trouble? I can't squeeze out of this door. 
But you just got in. Yeah, but I came in fast, and I'm stuck fast, too. Yeah, this is going to be one of my bad days. Now let's return to the great Gildersleeve, whom we left stranded in a house in a tree in the backyard. As we find Uncle Mort again, he's still there, while below, Judge Hooker tries to comfort him with songs. Rock-a-bye, Gildy, in the treetop. I'll kill that hooker. When the wind blows, hang on or you'll drop. Yeah, I'll drop on you. When the bow bends, it surely will break, and Gildy will hit. Just like an earthquake. <laughs> Hooker, stop that infernal nursery ride. Oh, you want something more modern, huh? All right, Gildy, I'll give you the number one song on the hit parade. Yo. Don't sit up in the apple tree with anyone else but me. Anyone else but me. Yes. Anyone else but me. No, no, no. <laughs> Do something. Get me out of here. This is a terrible predicament. Yes, isn't it? You just wait, Judge Hooker. I'm going to break every bone in your head. Now, get me out of here. Hey, what's going on out here? Where's Uncle Mort, Judge? Uncle decided to visit your treehouse, Leroy. See him? He became so absorbed in it, he can't tear himself away. Yeah. Oh, yeah, now I can see him. He's head sticking out of a secret trap door. Oh, I was having a regular affair. I'd like it a lot better up here if I were down there. Gee, is anything wrong? Oh, no, nothing at all, Leroy. Except that I'm wearing your secret trap door as a girdle. <laughs> I'm stuck up here fast. You gotta do something. Leroy, what's all the shouting about? Keep us Uncle Mort is up a tree. Look. Why, Uncle Mort? Yeah, hello, Marjorie. <laughs> what are you doing up there? I think he's looking for a bird's nest. He's been acting as if he's a little cuckoo. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you egg me on, Hooker. Marjorie, I came up here to inspect Leroy's little shanty, but now I'm stuck. And frankly, I'm beginning to get bored with lodging here. Excuse me, folks, but where are you? Yeah, I'm right here, Bertie. Well, where's that voice coming from? He's in the top of the tree. His trunk's bigger than the tree. <laughs> I'm upstairs in the tree, Bertie. What is it? Oh, uh, there's a doctor. You might get the sun go to see. He says he's got an appointment. Oh, great jumping jeeps. The sneeze doctor. I forgot all about him. Gee, Uncle, I don't think there's room enough for both of you up there. Of course not, Leroy. And I won't have anyone see me in this ridiculous, undignified position. Bertie, tell him to come back later in the afternoon. Tell him I'm at a board meeting. But Uncle, that wouldn't be telling the truth. Oh, yes, it would, my dear. Wherever I turn, I'm meeting a board. Well, I'll go tell him. And Bertie, after he leaves, bring me something to eat. Yes, sir. Uh, slice up some of that tongue and make three or four sandwiches, huh? Yes. It's way past my lunchtime, and I feel as hollow as Judge Hooker's head. That's right, Gildersleeve. Go ahead and stuff yourself. Then you'll never be able to get out of that box. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I never thought of that. It, just two tongue sandwiches, Bertie. Okay. But how am I going to fry them? All fashion? Yeah. Gee, <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting to let the doctor come back here. I bet you he can get you out. Leroy, I don't need an allergy specialist. I need a tree surgeon. Well, he can put you on a reducing diet. Sorry, Leroy, but that wouldn't work. No matter how much your uncle reduced, he'd still be living on the fat of the land. Yeah. Hooker, why don't you go home? All right, all right, I can take a hint. I just hope you're stuck up there until your north side is covered with moss. Goodbye. 
Uncle Mort. I'm sorry this happened. Now that he's gone, don't you feel sort of empty inside? Well, I'll say I do. Where's Bertie with those tongue sandwiches? Oh, Bertie. Is that come, Mr. Gilfries? I had some trouble with the cat. And that doctor man said he'll be back later, and he's still charging you for this visit. Well, never mind that now. What about my lunch? Didn't you bring me those sandwiches? No, sir. I'm awful sorry about that, but I can't. You can't? Why not? Because the cat got your tongue. <laughs> <laughs> Piggy, pull! No, Piggy, don't, don't pull. You're just taking the back right out of my shirt. It's no use, boys. Oh, why did you ever build this thing so solidly? Jeepers, you told us to, Mr. Gildersleeve. You're trapped by my own words. You better climb down now, boys, and try to borrow a ladder and an axe someplace. Okay, I'll... And remember, I don't want anyone in the neighborhood to know about this. I'd be the butt of too many jokes. You coming, Leroy? Scramble down now. I can see the girl next door in her room. I don't want to attract any attention. We'll be right back, Uncle. Yeah, okay. Uh, hello, Dottie. How are you today? Oh, perfectly fine, except for a blister I picked up at tennis. It's been annoying me ever since. Isn't it terrible? Uh, heel? I'll say he is. He followed me all the way home. Uh, <laughs> hey, how did you ever manage to get up so high? Is that a steam cabinet you're sitting in? What are you doing up in the tree? It, who, me? Oh, nothing. I'm uh, uh, just doing an important air raid defense job. You don't say. Well, what is it? You can trust me because you know I always keep my mouth closed and everything I hear goes right in one ear and out the other. Well, what's there in between to stop it? <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, well, then you'll tell me, huh? What is it? What is it? it what well, is if it? you must know, I'm up here spotting airplanes. Spotting airplanes? Well, that's Gee, I wish I could help you, only I wouldn't know what colors to spot them. Ew. No, I don't suppose you would. If, shh. Hey, what's that noise? Just my luck to have a nice, exciting fire somewhere, and I can't go. Is that you down there, Leroy? Yes, sir. Uh, where's the fire? There isn't any, Uncle Mort. You told me to borrow a ladder on a match, but not to tell the neighbors, so I just called the fire department. No. <laughs> Great jumping jeeps. Why did you do that? Oh, I won't have it. Look at all those people. Send them away. And tell them to stop coming. Hello, kid. Is that him up there? Yeah, Chief, but he says that he don't want Bring to... Bring a 30-footer, boys! It, go away! It, take those fire wagons out of our alley. Keep that crowd out of our yard. Oh, a little violent, huh? It, now take it easy, Tubby. We'll get you down. <laughs> I don't want to come down. I like it up here. What is this guy, a squirrel? Don't worry, Uncle Mort. He'll chop you out from no time. It, keep those hatchet men away from me. I'm very comfortable up here, and I, I won't come down until I'm good and ready. As nutty as a fruitcake. He's jerky, that's all. Probably thinks he's General Doolittle. Why don't you brave fire ladders just go back to your checker game? Now, see here, Fatso, we were called to take you down from there. Who called you? Did I call you? No, but somebody... You're paid for putting out fires, not for coming around annoying innocent people who are enjoying a nice uh, rest up a tree. But we're supposed to take... Oh, wasting the taxpayer's money, eh? Now, you get out of here before I pick up my phone and report this to the mayor. Come on, boys, put that ladder back in the truck. Quinn, take this axe back. Yeah. Let's get out of here before I turn a hose on that big fat bolt alarm. <laughs> the idea. I guess I told him a thing or two. Hey, Uncle Mort, those guys would have gotten you out of there in a minute. Don't you want to come down? No, Leroy, I couldn't come down that ladder in front of that crowd. Why not? It, because there are a lot of nails up here, and I've torn a square foot out of the seat of my pants. <laughs> Maybe if we spend 
a lot of mattresses all around and then cut down a tree. Then maybe... I cut down a tree once. And it takes days, Bertie. Say, Mr. Gildersleeve, I'll bet you you'd get through if you got a can of grease and gave yourself a good lube job. If... Thanks for the suggestion, Piggy. But I'll save that one until everything else fails. Oh, Lord, here comes Dr. DePartner. Oh, I've forgotten all about him. Say, I just realized something. I haven't sneezed since I came up here, Marjorie. He'll probably want me to stay here the rest of my life. Is Mr. Gildersleeve back yet? Oh, yes, yes, I'm, I'm up here, Doctor. Where? Oh, there you are. Well, come down now and we'll get started with those tests. Uh, come down, eh? Uh, I'm afraid I'll have to stay up here a while. Oh, now, Mr. Gildersleeve, you should have more confidence in your doctor. You mustn't run away, you know. I'm not going to run away, but why don't you? Run away and come back some other day. Hmm, that's a rather peculiar reaction. I'll have to write the medical journal about this. Really, Doctor, you don't understand. Oh, hey, keep away. Cut that out. What's wrong, Mr. Gildersleeve? The woodpeckers are trying to build a nest in my hair. <laughs> Poor Uncle Lloyd. Yeah, what's the matter? Is he allergic to woodpeckers? I am. Here's a policeman to see you. A policeman? What does he want? There have been a lot of complaints from this neighborhood about a peeping Tom. A peeping Tom. <laughs> oh, help! Hey, get him off! You, now the woodpeckers are dying bombing him. Hurry up, Wolf! Get away from me, birds. You bother me. How's the sawing going on? Sawing? It, not so good. I'm getting too much attention from my little feathered friends. I've got an idea how we can scare off the birds. I'll be right back. All right. Excuse me, Mr. Gilsey, but do you expect to be down for dinner? Yeah, I hope so, Bertie. So do I, because I can't see the hound go serving your soup up there. Oh, well, that, that'd be simple. I could drink it through a straw. What, I'll steal soup? Yes, I'll steal. Here, kitty, kitty. Here, kitty, kitty. Nice, kitty. Come on now. Hey, look what I've got to drive the birds off. Oh, Marjorie's cat. Good. Send him right up here, Leroy. I'm afraid some bird's going to lay an egg on me any minute. <laughs> Go ahead up down the road, kitty. Attaboy. Yeah. Keep on going. That's it. Yeah, here, kitty, 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 kitty. Oh, yes. Come on. It's stay right up here near your Uncle Mort. Isn't he cute? It, Leroy, that was certainly a bright eye. I, 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 you. <laughs> Good night. Yeah, you're welcome, Bertie. Oh, you. Say, I didn't sneeze once since I came up here until that cat, the cat, the cat, the cat, I just found out what I'm allergic to, Marjorie. It's that cat of yours. Oh, well, this saves me a lot of doctor bills and time and trouble. Why, I'm so happy. No, no, don't call him, Leroy. Looks like I'm going to sneeze my way out of here. Hey, come here, nice kitty. I can't hear you, Leroy. I'm going to
gentlemen, it's just six months since Pearl Harbor. Since then, this nation has leaped to arms with one idea in our minds and hearts. Victory. This summer, there'll be no slackening, no rest. The leading NBC shows are joining our government in bringing you the Victory Parade, a series of Sunday afternoon shows heard all through the summer in the Jack Benny Times. We urge you to listen. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. on this program was composed and conducted by William Randolph. This is Jim Bannon speaking for the Kraft Cheese Company and inviting you to tune in again next week at the same time for the further adventures of the great Gildersleeve. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Shadow, followed by Fibber McGee and Molly. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.